broadcasting worldwide on Internet Radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. It's the Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com. Now. Here's Mark and Matt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Refresh Your Wealth in this ever-changing world, the wild, wild west. Matt, I almost wore my cowboy hat again just because it's it's not yeah. it's not county fair time or state fair time. It is stimulus package craziness, yeah. you know? Woo! Yeah, yeah. And what, do you, what happens when you give billions of dollars away to individuals and businesses? Um, a lot of chaos, I think. And, <laughs> and then when you give it to them and say, it's actually a loan, but we're going to forgive it, which we're going to talk about with PPP. Um, well, that's, it's nice to get the money. Let's just make sure we follow through on the forgiveness part, which yeah. we're going to talk yeah. about today. And, yeah. and there's, wow. Easier there's so said than done. Easier said yeah. than done, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, for those that maybe caught this title and thought, who are these yahoos? I'm going to listen to them for a minute and see if I can get some good tips. Thank you for joining us. We've got now have over 500 podcasts over the 10 plus years doing them once a week. We're both lawyers uh, and tax lawyers specializing in different areas. We're partners in a law firm and I have a sister accounting firm and a sister trust company for self-directed strategies. That's directedira.com. Uh, more information down below. Uh, but here's the big point of our show. We try to keep this topic fun as possible, interesting. Don't ever be offended by our level of gravity as we try to keep it uh, levity, not gravity, levity, levity. Yeah. levity. Jeez, I screwed that yeah, we cannot time. change gravity. That's uh, <laughs> that's an unstoppable force. <laughs> We're trying, but no success. We'll work on, yeah, we'll work on the levity. <laughs> Levitation. We're still working on that too, but levity, I think we can handle. So uh, uh, anyway, um, Thanks for joining us. And what our main goal is, is to help you better live the American dream, save taxes, build wealth, uh, get better asset protection and uh, legal strategies. And we do a live Q&A every three weeks. But today's topic, of course, is this PPP loan. And every week we start with a tax and legal tip that's just kind of, I don't want to say off the wall, but different, you know, that might yeah. help you. So, yeah, it's a... It's a brown M and M in a bag full of you know, greens and reds. It's just a little different. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to throw that analogy in today. I did, that didn't work, but I'll okay. maybe try to work it in later. We'll see. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I liked it. You know, it's a yeah. it's a grab bag. Yeah. Playing off. Yeah. There you go. No pun intended. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so Matt, I think you had yeah. the legal tip for today. I've got a great tax tip, and okay. then we're going to jump into the PPP loan forgiveness. Now, let me say one other thing before we start. If some of you are like, Ugh, I don't want to wade through this, you can easily fast forward probably about 10 minutes to get through these tips. However, if you're a business owner or an investor, we try to give tips that are really, I see, mean this, seriously. We have clients yeah. that literally listen to our show for the tips and then drop off. So yeah. please give them a shot and share this podcast with any of your friends or family or business partners. But on this PPP program, we have got YouTube videos on this, articles, and multiple podcasts. So this is not a, a one-time shot. So uh, be patient. You maybe don't answer your question specifically in this particular show, but we have five associate tax attorneys taking calls day and night and on the weekend trying to help clients around the country. We'll give out their contact information as well, and hopefully you can get us on another venue. 
<laughs> Sorry, man. There's our mouthful. Right. Yeah, okay. I like it. Well, uh, I'm ready for the legal tip, so let's rock and roll. A legal tip that you can actually use. A legal tip where you don't feel like you have to take a shower after. All right. Well, the legal tip I want to give has to do with insurance. Ooh, exciting. Huh? Oh, boy, wait, if tax illegal wasn't exciting enough, man, you're, you're out of control. No, man, insurance. Hey, but how about, how about uh, insurance claim that pays? All right. Okay. Um, we're talking about- You have to pays. Yeah, like pays you, not you don't pay the insurance company. Oh, okay. That, that way, okay. So I'm talking about business interruption insurance. This is an insurance that policy that many small business owners may have. This could also be a rider or an added on policy to your general liability policy. So some business owners don't even know they have it. It's just coverage added on. And it's one of these policies that you've never needed to claim, right? You've, maybe it was like a hurricane or natural disaster you may claim it for. You had theft at your space or, you know, at a storefront, for example, or something like that. And you may make a claim on it. Well, the pandemic hit. And the insurance companies are trying to wiggle ways out of this to where they don't have to pay, but they're having to pay. Okay, even President Trump a couple weeks ago came out in a press conference and talked about how the insurance industry better be paying on business interruption policies because they've been collecting premiums on it for decades, right? Yeah, that's true. So yeah. my tip did is- you, did, you call our, did you call our agent for us? <laughs> I haven't, actually. We need to, I, we gotta get I some did, people on that. Yeah, we got people. I, I did look at the policy though, and I don't, we do not have it. So it's probably worth a call to make sure, but I, I went through the policy and the writers, we did not add it, so- well, thank you. As far as I know. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, but you well, might, for that. okay. You guys might. So okay. look into that. And, um, and I'm going to actually be writing an article on it in a couple of weeks. Um, I've had talked to a couple of clients who have kind of started to battle with their insurance company on it. Um, but this is an interesting one to look at business interruption. You could have a separate policy for it or look on your general liability policy. It could be added on that. If you have like a storefront or like an office location, for example, you've been under shelter in place or, you've, you know, the state has closed you down for business, okay? Um, that's business interruption, all right? And so look into that could be uh, a claim you can actually make to uh, get paid from your insurance company. Let's try I have, Matt, I even have a good tip too, right on this. Oh. May the senator from Idaho put an amend, add an amendment to your proposal? Yes. I'll, I'll yield one minute of time to the gentleman from Idaho. <laughs> Thank you. Since we've all been watching Congress lately. Uh, thank you, uh, Senator Sorensen from Arizona. Uh, here, let me tell you a story. This goes well with the story. Mm -hmm. So I have a commercial rental property, and I should say our family, my brother and I, my mom and sister, we kind of managed that after my dad passed away. It's a good commercial rental property. Northern Salt Lake. It's a little industrial property. Um, it's a good-sized warehouse with offices as well as production facilities, and it's been a good rental for us over 10-plus years. Anyway, a year, it's been two years now. Wow. Two years ago, a tornado landed in Utah. Who? Who yeah, yeah. a tornado landing in Utah? And so it was just a weird uh, occurrence, and it touched down for about a mile and a half, and then bam, out of there. Covered on the news. Yeah, pretty, I remember that. Uh, yeah, pretty bad. It landed on my building. Yeah. Of all the places it could have landed, it was my building. No kidding. And we were just kind of hearing it in the news, and I got a call from my tenant, who is a triple net lease, so it's really low maintenance, and he calls me up, and he never calls, and I thought, oh, no. And he calls up, and he goes, Mark, um, I'm standing in the building, and we no longer have a roof. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, you're kidding me. The tornado hit our building. He's like, dude, it, it was like right in that spot. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we immediately put in place, um, uh, he immediately started to find a temporary place and we got contractors in bidding. I called the insurance company and yada, yada. We got a bid to get it all fixed. It was about three, 400 grand just to get this new roof on a commercial building. Yeah. And, but the rent on this, um, $20,000, $30,000 a month in rent on this commercial building. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but my tenant's not going to pay rent and I didn't expect him to during this temporary time. And it was about, we saw the contractors like you're out six months. So we were like, Holy crap. So about a month in, I thought, hold it. Do we have a lost rents provision? Which wouldn't you say is similar, right? Yep. Yep. Lost yep. rents. And we got a lot of real estate investors on the show listening to us on a regular basis. So I thought I'm going to call my agent. I'm not as industrious, Matt. I did not pull out my policy and start reading it. I'd rather take a gun to my head. So I just called up my agent. And I go, hey, can you see if we have lost rents? He's like, yeah, sure. Cool guy. You know him, Matt. And calls me back a day later. He's like, yeah, no, you didn't get it. I go, what do you mean I didn't get it? Well, you never asked for it. And I go, it's a commercial building. And I started to play, why don't we have it? That's your fault, not mine. He's like, and you kind of got testy. He's like, what do you mean? I, did you give me the choice? He goes through his notes, uh, no. And I was like, I'd like to talk to the underwriter. So I got on the phone, a couple nasty phone calls and a letter. They came through with lost rents. $30,000 a month times six. Yeah. Wow. And that was lost rents. Yeah. So the amendment, and I did that in one minute or less, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I would say if you landlords have lost rents due to this pandemic, I think it could be in a, a, a a property, real property insurance policy. You think it's possible? It's possible. I don't know. Lost rents. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Business interruptions been getting a lot of press coverage actually, and I've seen a lot of other attorneys talking about it. Even like you know, they're giving CLEs right now for lawyers on business interruption policies and mm -hmm. how to make claims and help your business owners and how to defend them if you're representing insurance companies. You know, so what does that mean? That means there's a lot of claims going on right now. Um, yeah. So. Good consideration, maybe lost rents too um, for those property owners on the landlord side. Yeah, we got to look into it. We got to get some people on that. Do you have some people yeah. you get on that, Matt? Yeah, we got, we got people. We'll get some all people right. on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, now you're going to love this tax tip. A tax tip you can actually understand and won't put you to sleep. A tax tip that could save you thousands. All right, well, my tax tip is believe it or not, not about the stimulus package. We are about sick and tired of talking about it, although we are really excited for today's show. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that did come out well. Uh, like, can we have someone edit that out? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to continue listening today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but here's an interesting little side note in the history of our lifetimes. The April 15th deadline was obviously moved to July 15th. Now that just wasn't for filing your 1040. That includes a number of tax strategies. So I wanted to just give some of you some things to be thinking about. I've had several people call me and go, Mark, we got our stimulus check or wire transfer and we're okay right now. Um, what should we do with it? And some of you may be in that boat. Others are like, oh my gosh, I'm buying groceries and toilet paper. 
but others of you are like, yeah. I want to use this money wisely. And to a lot of students credit that have had some of my classes at the local university, they called up and said, what stock should I buy or what account should I open or da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So here's a few tips just to keep in mind. And you have about eight weeks left, approximately eight weeks. You could still do a contribution to an IRA and get a tax deduction for 2019. You may even put money into a Roth IRA for 2019 if you qualify. And if you don't and you think, oh, I don't qualify, I can't get into the party. Oh, no, 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 no. There is a back door to the Roth party, which Matt and I have talked about many of times. And if you yeah. go on YouTube and search backdoor Roth IRA, we got you covered. Just make sure you use the words backdoor Roth IRA when you do that. Yeah. And then um, also, you could put money in a Coverdell IRA. A Coverdell IRA is a college savings account for kids, really. And you can put $2,000 in there. Now, you don't get a tax deduction for that. And if you do a Roth, you don't get a tax deduction. Uh, but with an IRA, you would. And if you're a business owner, you still got time for your SEP. You may have done a little 401k thing. You have time to match that. And finally, the health savings account. You have time to put money in a health savings account before April 15th. Now, I've got, we got numbers on all those. We've yeah. even done shows on each one of those topics. Search on our podcast history. But what I want to say is, if, if you've got a little extra money set aside, whether it's through the PPP program, an idle, a loan, you've got your stimulus check, be thinking about some of these strategies because what we've done is taken our family, everyone in our family has a Roth IRA and we've created a little LLC and we invest as a family. And all my kids and my two new in-laws, I have a son-in-law and daughter-in-law now in the family, and I've got them Roth IRA set up. So that's what good father-in-laws do, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah such a, that's, that's, uh, I always wanted to be in one of those families, you know, where someone set up the Roth IRA for me. Not the guy setting up the Roth IRAs for everyone else. <laughs> I want to be on the other end of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I was on um, Fox 26 Houston last week. Um, okay. You guys check out my social media. I just posted one of the clips from it. But um, they You looked me, good, by the way, man. You looked very oh, good on camera. You. Thank you. I was, I was trying to, uh, you know, take my inner Mark Kohler and really let it shine. You know? ah, that's <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, Mark's on TV. He's, he's got a lot more experience. This is my first one, by the way. But they asked me about um, what people should do. And I said, a Roth IRA is like, you know, a, one of the lessons we've had in this pandemic financially is we need to have better savings accounts. And the other thing that's cool about the Roth IRA is it's one you can pull money out if you need it. So you can contribute the money, but let's say you put in six grand. If like a year down the road or six months later, you're like, ah, oh, crap, I need that six grand. You can pull it out without taxes or penalties. Whereas other accounts, you get penalties to pull out. So the Roth IRA is a really good one just for that piece too, the flexibility to pull money out if you need it without taxes and penalty. Yeah. yeah. And that's not the earnings, but your contribution. Right. What you put and, in. Yeah. And I like this as a college savings account. So you get the Coverdell yeah. at two grand a pop going for your kids, which can come out tax-free for college and the growth. And then the Roth IRA contributions could come out for college while you let the earnings continue to snowball. So many good yeah. things. So anyway, we love talking about that. We want you to save taxes and build wealth. And at a time like now, some of you have a little extra. It's crazy. I know some of you think it's atrocious yeah. or rude to talk about that when so many people are hurting. And yeah. it's true, but there's two groups out there. Yeah, there's some, not most, but some do. And that, yeah. with that July 15th, that's a great tip. Um, yep. Okay. Oh, that was a mistake on my part. Sorry there. Hit the microphone. 
Um, <laughs> You're excited. You're excited about our topic. We're ready for PPP, uh, right? That was me trying to transition to, uh, to PPP or 3P, triple P. I don't know. Um, Let's do it the rest of the show. Let's make a rule. What, the rest of the show, what do you want to call it? 3P. 3P. Because if I have to say PPP again, I'm going to like yeah. yeah, go to the pee my pants. I'm just like, I can't deal with yeah. that. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. you got nieces and nephews running around. I'm like, pee, pee, pee. They're like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm <laughs> no, like, no, it's a loan no, for small business owners. Not yeah, it's a loan. It's a okay, <laughs> you know, pass out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Mark's talking about SBA again, you know. Um, okay. Let me hit a framework for how we want to talk about this. If you don't, okay. you'll indulge you set me. the framework. Okay. I will indulge you. Okay. I want to break this down. This is the Paycheck Protection Program. This is the loans given to small business owners based on their payroll, and you get to use it to cover mostly payroll costs and some other approved expenses we're going to break down. Now, there's, I kind of want to break this down into the good, the bad, and the ugly, and this will be my next article okay. on entrepreneurs. So, let's help us flesh it out. I wrote one on forgiveness and some of the, the sneaky things you need to know about. I don't know how better way to say it, but so let's, we'll, let's kind of go through the good, how to get it forgiven. That's the good news is, is if you spend this money right, you can get it forgiven and you don't have to pay it back. Let's talk about some of the bad things. What are some of the catches that people are going to get screwed on? Yeah. And then let's talk about the ugly things. What don't we know yet? There's a lot of questions we still have that we huh? just don't know. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of clients asking me and I'm like, I don't know. And you know what? Nobody knows actually. So we're still waiting for, for some guidelines. So if we break it down, do you like the good, the bad, and the ugly? I like it. because That's a great show too. I'm a Clint Eastwood fan. fan. Those uh, spaghetti okay. westerns are good stuff. Now, I, as the resident accountant on the show, have my trusty handy-dandy calculator here because you will need it, people. This is very, very important. And, I, and I'm not joking. Once you get your PPP money uh, on the good, yes. uh, you've got this big check. Um, some banks are asking you to open an account specifically for the money. Some clients are dropping it into their operational account. Um, at the end of the day, frankly, technically, it does not matter. It yeah. does not matter where you put the money. What matters is proving that you spent that money on the right things when you go apply for forgiveness. Exactly. So, so there you go. So that's step one. So let me just give one little math idea, Matt, and then the rest of you can, we'll, we'll keep going. Yep. So the first concept is whatever you want forgiven, whether it's 20 grand or 200 grand, 10 grand or 100 grand, Whatever your PPP is, your first goal should be, I want to get that whole thing forgiven. Okay, so that's yeah. our goal. That's reasonable. That's what, the Cong that's what Congress promised. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> okay, now we'll get into how it's yeah. almost impossible in some situations, but that's the government. So if whatever you want forgiven, 75% of it has to be at least on payroll costs. Sounds easy? It's not. Because an S-Corp is going to have different definitions of what payroll costs are. And a sole proprietorship that has no employees that got the PPP is going to have a different definition of what those payroll costs are and how that plays out. But the concept is 75%. So doing easy math here, I don't even need a calculator for it. If we have $20,000 <laughs> $20, PPP, then at least fifteen grand needs to be used for those payroll costs. Yeah. And then... You can get up to 20 forgiven. See, that's just the test number one. I got to have at least 75 in payroll. Now I've got to get up to what can that other 25% be spent on? And we're not even to some of the nuances I think Matt's going to call in the bad. So yeah. let's just say everything's going good or in the good section. What do you think? Yeah. Matt? What would you add to that? 
Yep. And now remember, this is the eight-week period after you get the loan. So once you're funded, you're tracking this calculation for eight weeks of what you're spending on payroll costs plus these other approved expenses, which is the 25%, which is your rent, mortgage interest if you have it on a property the business owns, um, utilities, which can include rent and your cell phone. And um, well, those are it. Those are the three. <laughs> yeah. um, now, you can, let's go back to your 20,000 example. Some businesses have said, I can't even spend 20 grand in eight weeks. I got a loan based on two and a half months of payroll, but I can't spend, yeah, from last year, but I can't even spend it all. Eight weeks is, you know, is like 83% of that. So how can I even spend all of that? So here's the first thing to know, which is important. This is actually a good part of it. Let's say you only spend 10, but you spent 7,500 on payroll, 2,500 on rent and utilities, that's your forgiveness request is 10 grand. You're okay. Now I've got this other 10,000 of a loan. I'm not going to get forgiveness on it. I didn't spend it on approved stuff. I'm going to pay that other 10 grand back of the 20,000 loan. And that's one misconception a lot of people have had. And I've got, we've got lots of questions about, and especially last week was, well, what if I don't spend 75% of the total loan? Don't worry. That's only if you want the whole thing forgiven. If you can't spend the whole thing, you know, cut it down. Let's say, again, think you can spend 10. 7,500 was payroll, 2,500 non-payroll. You could still make a forgiveness request for the 10 grand. Yep. Now, it gets even trickier. Uh, The first thing I tell clients is if they get on a phone call with me or any of our tax attorneys, again, we'll give it our number here for some of those that need a consult. We're having more consultations on how to get this forgiven than on how to get the money. And we've had clients that have gone to the banks and the bank said early on they didn't know what they were doing, and that's fair. SBA was trying to keep up with the banks and giving them info, but banks would say, just give me your 1099. And so sole proprietors would give them the 1099, and they did a PPP on a 1099, not on the net, and all of a sudden they've got an inflated PPP. So the yeah. first thing we do on a phone call with clients is say, let's make sure we got the right PPP amount. Let's just, because I don't know what bank you went to, what did you give them, what did, yeah, let's make sure we're, the math is correct. And if some of you go, oh my gosh, the math's wrong. Am I in trouble? No. You just have to say, okay, under what I should have gotten, here's how much I can get forgiven. And yeah. maybe there's some options to get more of it forgiven. They want you to spend this on payroll. I'll tell you right now, the more people you go out and hire and the more you pay in payroll, the more you're going to get forgiven. Exactly. And, and in some ways, that's the whole goal of this is yeah. to stimulate the economy. Yeah. So you're not in trouble if it was done wrong. But that's step one. I want to know what you got. Did you get it properly? And what are we dealing with? Yeah. What would you say step two is? Yeah. And the fact of the matter is some people that got a bigger loan than they should have, like you said, that's okay. Just be prepared. You're not going to get all that forgiven. You're going to be paying that back. So don't spend it. Keep that money on hand um, so that you don't just, doesn't just turn into debt at the end of the day. Yeah. And at the end of the eight weeks, you can pay it then. Like, I don't want to pay a cent in interest. Well, the interest starts 1% per annum. It's like 0.0 whatever of a, yeah. per month. I mean, it's just tiny, but the interest starts the day you get the money. So at the end of the eight weeks, you'll have a small, small interest charge. If you, if some of it's not forgiven and you just give it back. Now the step two in all this is I asked clients, okay, step one, what are we dealing with? How much money did you get? Did yeah. you get it properly? Step two, what are your expected payroll costs for the next eight weeks? What do you think you're going to spend? And let's just see if we're even close. And now for sole proprietors out there, you're like, Mark, I don't have employees. It was just me. The SBA guidance on this is that 
and again, this is some of the ugly we're going to come to. We're still don't exactly know, but our understanding is, let's say you got 20 grand. That means you estimated 8,000 a month last year. That's 8,000 times 12 is 96 grand. So as a small business owner, you said, I made 96 grand. You divide it by 12, that's eight, times 2.5, that's 20. Well, you're only allowed as a sole proprietor to get forgiven 16 grand. You know, that because that's what you estimated. Yeah, yeah. That's eight weeks. Eight grand times two is really there. There's a lot of debate about 52 weeks versus 12 months, all that. Just work with us on this. We're, yeah, we yeah. haven't seen the actual application yeah. yet. We're roughing but the it, numbers for you. Just yeah, keep we're it roughing simple. the numbers. Okay. This is a so, podcast, okay? Not a spreadsheet. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in summary, and I'll shut up, Matt, is that sole proprietors don't have to have a payroll report or go out and show that I paid myself that because you may use it to just keep the business going. But the IRS is going to say, the Treasury Department's going to say, hey, you estimated 8,000 a month on last year's profit. We're going to give that to you. That's good. But what about that other 0.5, that four grand? So sole proprietors and S-corps are going to have kind of a different maneuver. Yeah. And you got to keep that in mind. That's step two. What do you expect to spend? Are you a sole proper and S-corp? Let's see what we're dealing with. Yeah. And, and for those that are the sole props, really payroll is about it. This, this number that Mark hit there, let's say you got the, the 20,000 PPP and now you're at about what, 15 grand that you can maybe get forgiven or what was the number? 16. 16. 16. Exactly. Um, yep. That's going to be it. Okay. Um, because that number is taking into account your, it's your net profit from your business. It took into account the rent you paid out of your business. And so it's taking into account everything. You can't add in retirement contributions either, which, yep. which you can do on the other side here. So, so for sole props, just know that. For the rest of you, though, S-Corps, which is most of our clients, even if you're a C-Corp or whatever, um, you're cool. You're doing W-2s. You're running a payroll. And, and your payroll numbers are going to, for that eight weeks, you're going to run a payroll report for that period. Now, um, what's included in payroll is basically gross payroll, but you do not include the employer paid FICA. Okay, you're not going to get that counted in. But one of the cool things you do get to include is employer retirement contributions. Okay, this gets added in and it doesn't count against the 100,000 annual cap. So if you knew when you got the loan, you didn't get to count payroll for someone you paid over 100 grand in salary, bonus, and wages. But you can overpay retirement plan contributions essentially over the 100,000 cap and that's not counted. There's some nuance to that. I don't want to geek too hard on that. But it's a little different, though, for, I'm just saying, for those who get W-2, S-Corps, C-Corps. Yep. And health insurance is added to that. So you can say, payroll costs are what I paid my employee, no FICA added, just what did I pay my employee before I withheld, plus health insurance premiums during the eight weeks, and plus any regular 401k matching, which implies to me, and this is the tricky part, probably in the ugly section, we don't know if you decide, if your employee says, ooh, well, I'm going to drop X dollars in my 401k out of the norm, and you go in a match out of the norm. And does it need to be prorated for the whole year? Or is it yeah. just during the eight weeks? You can double down if you're the only employee. Ah, we don't know. Yeah. But it's great. Yeah, I think we've, we've had those questions. And I, uh, my advice is for those clients that want to be aggressive. Typically, it's the you know, the solopreneur, maybe the S-corp, it's just you or, or some mm-hmm. close family members. And so you're looking to really load the retirement account up in that eight weeks. Um, 
that's going to be an aggressive standpoint. Just be prepared that that might get reduced down to really only an eight week period out of 52 weeks. So, um, so don't throw it in if you don't weren't otherwise planning to make that contribution through the year. But if you're like, you know, I would have thrown this in at some point during the year, give it a shot. Might not hurt. You could get it forgiven possibly. And, And here's the important point again, you've got eight weeks from the day you get the money. Um, you don't want to wait till the seventh week or fourth day to deal with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would get a consultation immediately with your tax advisor, legal advisor, whoever's pretty, this should be well-versed on this. Again, our team's here for you if you need it. You don't have to use our accounting firm or law firm for the future. You may find, oh my gosh, this is a little gem that I found here, but yeah, we're here. So, but you want to get on this early. You want to pencil out what you expect the expenses to be. Where am I going to fall? And again, for some of you that are like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get it all forgiven. But then it's an easy decision. Leave it in that bank account. And at the end of the eight weeks, give that portion back. Or you'll say, you know what? I could use that in the business. It's 1% loan. I got two years to pay it back. I'm all on board. So that's up to you. But I think there's going to be a lot of clients that don't call their accountant, don't call their lawyer at eight weeks. Seriously, at eight weeks, I can guarantee it, Matt. There's going to be people... That are, the bank's going to call them and go, your application's due for forgiveness. And they're going to go, what are you talking about? I thought this was a forgiven loan. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to apply to have it forgiven. Well, what yeah. do you want? Oh, it's going to be thousands of people. And that's why we're out there telling everybody, this is the time mm-hmm. bomb waiting to go off if you don't start defusing it right now. Yeah. Um, and here's another part and let's start. So we kind of hit the good, right? The good is you can get it forgiven. We've given the metrics here on the 75% rule. Yeah. Let me do one piece of math on that. Let's say we're dealing with a 20 grand PPP. And when you do that math, before we go to bad here, an easy way to back into it is I'm going to sit down with the client. This is what our attorneys are doing. They'll say, what's your PPP total? Okay, cool. What's your estimated payroll costs? They define it and kind of estimate it. Let's say you're going to be at 12 grand in payroll costs whether you're okay. an S-corp or sole prop, let's just say 12. The easy math is you take 12 grand and divide it by 0.75. That tells you the max you can have forgiven in that situation would be 16. So you say 16 minus the 12 grand in payroll, that gives me four grand that I can pay rent or do additional payroll yeah. or do whatever, you know? You could always do 100% payroll. Yeah. You know, if it's just like, hey, I spend every dime of this on payroll, great. You'll get it all forgiven. It's just you have to at least spend 75% of what you want forgiven, not of the loan amount, of what you want forgiven on payroll. Yep. And then that other four grand could be utilities, rent, or interest on mortgages or, again, additional payroll. Now, Matt, I I thought this would fall in good. You want to tell them about the new exception that if you go out to an employee that doesn't want to come back. Okay. Well, let me hit the, that, let me, there's, that, that, let me hit the bad. Cause I got to hit the bad on that. And then we'll do the cure kind of the work around. Oh, oh, that's right. Cause we have the yeah. employee number too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know where you're going. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So nice. let me hit one other thing on the, let's say you get to the end of the eight weeks and you have extra money left and you're like, you know, what? I don't want to pay it back. We are still waiting for guidance on the IRS. Remember this is called three P which is paycheck protection program. This is not the small business protection program. Okay. The loans that they're giving, they want you to use it on payroll. So if you have extra money at the end of the eight weeks, what are you going to use it for? Presumably the only approved things are going to be payroll and these other approved expenses that they said you can use this money for. You can't use it to do stuff outside of this. So you still got to fit that money 
that you're going to take as a loan that you're not getting forgiveness and keep it within those buckets. You might have to, you might be able to get outside the 75% because that's only a forgiveness request issue, but as long as you're paying on payroll, rent, utilities, or mortgage interest, presumably that loan's going to be okay for the two-year window. Yeah. Okay. Now, you want if me that was bad? everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll at least open the door because I have a fun way. I want okay, to say right. this in a fun way. If you thought, oh my gosh, that is going to be a pain in the butt, but I get it. I kind of get it. I need to sit down with someone and run the numbers and that knows what's yeah. going on. Okay, fair enough. Because there's little SBA guidance and treasury guidance coming out almost every other day. And we're trying to stay abreast of that for you. Yeah. If that was all there was to worry about, great. But it's not. There is a test number two that sucks even more. It is how many employees you had on average last, well, during a certain period compared to how many employees you have during these eight weeks. Because they want you to go out and hire more people, not just spend money on payroll, but they want you to get your pay, your employee count up. Yeah. Is that the best? How would you describe it, Matt, right? You got this employee They're, count that's an issue. Yeah, they, they basically said, we're going to reduce your forgiveness request, the amount that you qualify. So when you run the numbers that, that we just talked about there, and you're like, all right, I got 10 grand. Everything. I spent, yeah. Let's say everything. I got the whole 20 grand forgiven. Yeah. And I submit this, they say, okay, now your next step is you need to reduce it if you did not keep the same number of full-time employees you had before the pandemic that you have during the eight weeks. So for example, let's say that you had 10 employees, but you only bring back six people. They're going to say, all right, we're going to reduce your forgiveness request and essentially penalize you because you didn't bring all your employees back. And what we're going to do is say, let's say your forgiveness request was 20 grand. What's the number, Mark? You get 60%. 60% of that is 12,000. So now I spent 20, but I didn't bring back all my employees. I only brought 60%. So they're going to reduce that to 12. I'm going to be on the hook for the other eight. Kind of sucks, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, there's a few key words in this. I know some of you are going, holy crap, I didn't know this. Well, this was in the bill and no one's talking about it. You heard, uh, for, you heard it first here from us trying to help warn you. Yeah, so, this was in my entrepreneur article a few days ago, by the way, which is, you know, if you Google PPP forgiveness, you're going to find Matt Sorensen entrepreneur article. It's right there. <laughs> but uh, just a little, you know, pat myself on the back a little. Um, good, article. good article. Yeah. Now okay. we've realized there's a cure and there's a couple of cool things. Okay. Now before the cure, you want to get yeah. the cure first? Oh, there's there's kind of a, there's a cure and then there's an update to the cure, really because here's the cure. Well, let, you, you you can give the update. I think. Let me give the cure because I uh, I think we need to finish the test. Let me say okay. the test. All right, go for it. Yeah. Okay, just so we know how bad it really is. So you say, well, full time employees. I only have part time employees. So one of the first things you have to do is say, okay, FTE full time equivalent. Two part timers equals one full time. So if you say, okay, last year, yeah. my employee We're count. <laughs> yeah. Now, for all of you that are sole proprietors with no employees, test two is easy. It's all you. Done. Yeah, Done. Totally. Done. On to the next. Easy. <laughs> yeah. But if any of you had payroll, now this does not include subcontractors. We continue to get people asking us, well, in that payroll, does it include subcontractors 1099? Nope. No. They never did. So it's got to be W-2 employees. So for U.S. Corp, C Corp owners out there, we're going to say, what was your average FTE last year? And you're going to go, what do you mean FTE? Say, did you listen to our podcast? Oh, yeah, I remember full-time equivalent. 
So last year, you're going to say, on average, I had, and if the uh, Treasury Department or SBA was to audit this, all they have to do is look at total hours of employees worked last year, and it's pretty easy. If they averaged over 30 hours a week, full-time. If they averaged under 30 hours a week, part-time. You add up your part-times, divide it by two, there's your FTE. So if you had 10 part-timers, that's equivalent to five full-timers. And then you had three full-timers that averaged over 30 hours last year. That's your eight. Now you think that would be, then you compare it to the eight weeks, but no, it's not last year. There's two windows you can look at to get that number. Cause you got to get that number of what was my average FTE. So Matt, what yeah. are those two numbers, those two windows? Okay. So this is, this is like pre pandemic time windows. Okay. The IRS lets you choose. You can go January 1st of 2020 to February 29th of 2020. So this is kind of like basically early 2020 before we kind of hit pandemic time period. You can pick right, that January, window. Feb. It's January and February are essentially kind of. Exactly. January, February of 2020. Take your average full-time employee, uh, full-time equivalent employees over that window. Or if you don't like that window, <laughs> you can take um, February 15th, 2019 to June 30th, 2019. Kind of the same period that we're dealing with here of last year. They're kind of saying, let's just take that window. What is that? That's like, I don't know, four months here of time. Let's just take that window of what your average full-time equivalent is. And the reason they do that too is for seasonal businesses. Yeah. You may ramp up with a retail business at Christmas time. You may have a farm in the summer, whatever. And so right now, while you have these eight weeks, if I was complaining, I'd go, hey, 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 I can't measure it against all last year because I'm, I'm seasonal. My employee structure is yeah. all over the place. So they said, all right, option two is you can look at the same eight weeks approximately, and that's that window. Okay, so you come up with that window, then you measure it against the eight weeks from the day you get the money. Now, obviously, you want to choose the window with the fewest number yeah. of FTEs. <laughs> okay, so now with all that said, what do you do? You got to choose your window, come yeah. up with your average number of full-time employees, and then divide it by how many employees you had during the eight weeks. And this is going to be on the application with the bank that many of you didn't know was coming. And like Matt said, if you come up with an average of 10, but you only had six, you got to take whatever you were going to get forgiven. You thought you were Johnny on the spot. Guys, I paid exactly what you told me to. doesn't matter. 60% of that example times 20 grand. That's all you can have forgiven. And then you're going to swear at the government. Yeah. But Matt comes to the rescue. Okay. Now there was a cure, so to speak. I called it a workaround. I've talked to some other CPAs. that call it a cure, which I like. There's a rule that was buried in the statute that said, you know what? If that eight week period, you don't, you know, let's say you only had six that you brought back. Your, your window you picked before was 10, let's say. During the eight weeks, you only brought back six. But let's say by June 30th, you actually end up having 10 because there's a lot of places still in shelter in place or like partial openings happening right now. I mean, it's a mess throughout the country. There's employees who don't want to come back because their unemployment benefits are too good. So they said, you know what? We'll let you take the date on, Jan on June 30th of 2020. We'll let you take the number of full-time employees, equivalent employees you have on that date, and you can use that number because it's a little further out right now. So that's nice because hopefully by June 30th, you can have all your employees back. Even if you only had six during the eight weeks, if you're back up to 10 by June 30th, you're good. You're gonna have 100% forgiveness request. Now, as many of you can imagine, there are always loopholes and areas of abuse that they're gonna watch for. Because you might say, 
well, I, and I'm going to do the update here in a minute, but you may okay. say, well, I'm just going to hire a bunch of my family on June 28th. <laughs> yeah. You better in any situation, whether you're hiring family or not, and I'm not saying hiring family is bad. Yeah, they may be the only people you can hire, which comes to the update. But yeah. if you hire family or your spouse, or that's cool. But every employee you hire better have a job description, be legitimate, and paid a legitimate wage for the type of work they're doing. And we've been talking about having family on payroll for years. So we yeah. want you to do that. So uh, you may have to resort to that. But don't throw them on payroll 24 hours before the measuring date. That's not going to look good. You've got to yeah. see this coming. But I'll let Matt give the update. So let's say you go out and try to hire your 10 people. And they're like, hey, unemployment's pretty sweet right now. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. And the federal I'm a grand a week. <laughs> I'm not making a thousand bucks a week to do nothing. So mm. you can take that job and you can, you know. Dolly <laughs> Parton. So, Shove it. So, or let's be real. There's people that have valid health concerns that don't want to come back in. And maybe you're in New York or your place that have been really affected. And you're like, I don't want to get on the subway and go to work. Um, so what they've said is if you're an employer and you offer them to come back to work and they decline to come back, as long as you have a written offer and you want to keep documentation of it, they will not count that employee against you in the calculation. So that is really good because this is going to help a lot of those business owners that are really kind of on their knees right now, bringing back employees slowly. Um, can't have everyone just working remote. And so it's going to, that, that was a rule that came out a day after my article hit that came out on Sunday. Um, it's some good, provide some good relief, good option for those yeah. that do try to make the effort to bring back their employees. And, and I, again, I, I'm not trying to be self-serving here. You may hate, Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen and our team and all that. That's fine. But you really need a third party that's your, that knows numbers and the law on this to help guide you through this. Because um, you, like Matt said, I love that he just threw that little flippant comment. You better document this. That is so important. You know, and so who did I make a job offer to? What was that job offer amount? And maybe even have the employee say, hey, it's okay. See, and here's the hard part, Matt. Ooh, this is a good one. I didn't even think of this. Let's say you go to that employee and say, you want your job back? And they go, nah, I'm going to stay on unemployment. You need to document it to have them yeah. removed from your PPP calculation. So you say, will you sign this? Unemployment benefit office is going to be calling you every week. Yeah. You got a job yet? Nope, couldn't find a job. I'm still on unemployment. And now you've signed a document that's floating out there that says, I turned down the job. Yeah. Now you've got problems. The employee's got problems with unemployment. Yep. I didn't even think of that. And oh, so yeah. they're, not gonna be, they're not gonna be anxious to go out there and start signing something for you. So yeah. I would do your best to keep good records. And Yeah, I'd at least make a written offer. I mean, you might have people that just don't get back to you, but make the written offer to rehire them. And, um, but- that's good for those of you who've laid off or furloughed essentially that don't come back, have some records. I put a written offer out um, at a minimum, an email that is in writing to their regularly used email you've communicated with them for, but I'd probably do a letter as well in the mail. Um, and it should be like, you know, following up on our phone call, you know, following up on my, you know, reference your prior efforts to get a hold of them to bring them back on into the workforce. Those things would be helpful. Um, now, on that note, I want to say this too. For you that are business owners, 
I think you've got some leverage here. I really do. Um, because I think it, I think it's realistic that the unemployment rate, your SUDA and FUDA rate could very well go up after all this. The, yeah. the, the, the state and federal coffers for unemployment benefits have been, if not depleted, yeah. completely wiped They're out, toast, yeah. right? They're toast. And so we're going to have to recoup those in the government. Uh, I say we loosely, but we, the people. <laughs> and so <Exactly>. your, <laughs> yeah, your mm-hmm. pseudo and food rates could go up. Now let's say, Matt, what would you do if you had an employee that was pretty important, pretty important to your organization. You had a shelter in place. Let's say he's your head cook of your restaurant. He'd be a lawyer in our firm. Could be accountant, your CFO. I mean, someone important in your firm. And you call him up and go, hey, I got the PPB money. We're ramping back up. I need you here on Monday, May 15th. The shelter in place is off. We need you here. Nah, I'm going to take unemployment. Really? Because all I have to do is call the unemployment office and say, I made an offer to you. Yeah. They're going to be in big trouble at the unemployment office. And then your employee goes, you'd call in unemployment on me? Hey. I'm just a hardworking American here and I gave you your job back. And I mean, seriously, I'd be a little ticked off if I was a business owner and my employees said, take this job and shove it. I'm going to go claim unemployment. I'd be, I have the mind to call up the unemployment office and tell them. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a card that the business owner could play, but let me say this. If it was me and I had to play that card, that's an indication. I actually don't want that person back. Um, yeah. for small businesses that have had to go through this right now and the employees that they've tried to keep on and they're bending over backwards, they're going to get PPP loans, they're going into debt that may not get forgiven, you know, and those key people don't want to come back, move on. That's just oh, a oh, signal that oh. that person is not who you want in the long run. Well, yeah, Matt, I didn't say that I was going to call in unemployment and make them come back. I'm just going to call the unemployment and tell yeah. them, screw you. Thanks very much. Yeah. And your job's gone. <laughs> and, and your job's gone, by the way. Yeah. Now, good luck out there in the workforce. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. Interesting. So, okay. anyways. Um, so that's test two. That's test two. Yeah. So, now you got another test here. But this is but, – but think through this. You got the 75% rule. You got the full-time equivalent employee rule that you basically remember you want to get back the same number you had pre pre pandemic. And there's some cures as we talked about there. Um, the other one that I don't think applies that much. We haven't seen many issues on is if you reduce their pay more than 25% or more. So if you bring someone back at, you know, they made 20 bucks an hour before and you start paying them at 14 bucks an hour, you have to reduce your forgiveness request too, because you've reduced their regular pay we haven't seen that happening with the unemployment. I don't think you're going to get away with that. You got to bring them back at least at what their prior pay was is what we're seeing. So, but that's just the other test to think about. And what other bad, and then we can get to the unknowns and yeah. we probably have the yeah. show as a wrap. I think we've covered it yeah. fairly well. Um, <clears throat> if I may say so myself, I, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll pat on the back. Um, the other important consideration is you can't bonus yourself out and say, well, I'll just pay myself more. Uh, especially in a sole proprietorship. We know that's not going to work. But yeah. if you have an S-Corp, remember the maximum amount you can pay yourself is actually $8,333 per month. Now, if you divided that out over the eight weeks, and this is where accountants and bankers are starting to get a little more technical. If you take 100000 and divide it by 52, that's 1923 times four weeks. It's actually 7692 Yeah which is different. And then if you multiply that by two, your maximum pay that you can give yourself, if you go with the 52 week rule is 15,384. 
But yep. if you take 100,000 divided by 12, that's 8,333 times two. Yeah. That, that's 16,666. So do I get to forgive 16,666 or 15,300? And I guess that opens the door to the ugly. We don't know. Yeah, probably the 15. And so keep that in mind. That's the per employee that you have, including yourself. That's the max you're going to be able to get forgiven. So for those of you that may have people making over 100 grand a year, you know, you're not going to get that calculated in. Now, you should have taken that into account when you got the loan because you're supposed to reduce that when you got the loan anyways. Um, but now you do get to add on the health insurance and retirement employer retirement plan contributions on top of that. So that that's an add on on top of the 15 or 16, depending on the number you end up having to go with. Yeah. So, um, but yes, if you're an escort, if you're yes. an escort people, I know again, you got to keep that yeah, yeah. yellow yeah, yeah. hat, red hat, yellow hat yeah. is sole prop, red hats, escort. And generally again, in the long run, this is a wake up call for many of you to go, why are these guys talking about escort so much? I cannot say this enough. If you make more than 40 grand a year net and you're not already considering S-Corp, you got a bad advisor. I'm not kidding. I'll say it all day long. You can yeah. do reasonable salary allocations that are going to save you FICA all day long. So, um, yes, good side. Use the S-Corp. Okay. Let's hit a couple ugly things that we don't know. Okay. This is some of the ugly stuff. The IRS came out with a, a, a notice that essentially said, you know what, if you pay payroll, let's say you paid $100,000 in payroll over the eight weeks and you got 100% of that forgiven. So they, then you came back to your bank, they said, we forgive it. One of the nice things in the PPP loan was they said, you know what, you don't get forgiveness of debt income. If we forgive you 100 grand and the bank forgives you 100 grand, don't worry, it's not forgiveness of debt income. And that was in the statute in the CARES Act yeah. when this came out. But the IRS said, you know what, there's a little technical rule that says if you use debt on payroll and that debt gets forgiven, you actually don't get to expense the payroll. <laughs> I know. I can't believe you brought this up too. This is so ugly. Yeah, this is ugly and it's a little confusing if you're like, I don't follow that. Let me tell you what that means. You're basically getting taxed on the loan. That's what that means. It's a backdoor method to say, it's not income to you, but when you've spent it, we're not letting you expense it. Well, what's the net effect? It's income. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and some of you, this is why, I, and I have to hand it to him. I, I do. And I joke about Dave Ramsey all the time. Uh, we haven't personally met. I've met his daughter and had her on the show, Rachel, and she's great. And um, I think Dave Ramsey says a lot of great things. Sometimes he's a little extreme when it comes to investing and business building. And that's okay. We have two different opinions there. But I love his concept of staying out of debt. His mantra this entire time has been, yeah. don't take the PPP. It's the four-letter word called loan, and the government will find a way to screw you every time. And that's been his, that's been his talk from day one. Yeah. And, and more and more, I'm starting to go, man, uh, he might be onto something. So I'm going to repeat what Matt said again a different way. If you get this PPP loan, great, not taxable income. But all that payroll you spent? You don't get a write-off for it. So now your net income just went up in the business, and even though you don't have to claim the income. And at a 20 to 30% clip, you're now paying taxes on all that expense. Now, some people would argue, hey, I'd rather pay taxes on 100 grand than have no yeah. 100 grand at all. Fine. But that's not and what that, Congress intended. That, yeah. Yeah. 
and there's been already some news conferences in the last 24 hours in anticipation of this web uh, podcast that the Congress has said, don't you dare IRS. That was not the intention. So I think yeah. we're going to be okay. Don't you? Yeah. And the AICPA came out hard against it very fast when that ruling came out. And you know, what's funny is Steve Mnuchin, you know, the treasury secretary who I do love. love I'm totally, I'm totally a Mnuchin fan now. <laughs> I want to get a shirt Mnuchin. Yeah. Like he's, he's so great in the press conferences. He's just like the perfect treasury secretary. He's like, I mean, he's could be in like all future movies for a treasury secretary. It's just going to be, they're going to model it after Steve Mnuchin. Um, which, okay, a little, little, a little, little, because they're still crushing on him. I was watching the movie digress. American Sniper with my daughter. If you remember, that was the story of the, um, the Navy SEAL that was the sniper that um, came back and, and kind of started volunteering and helping other uh, military people with, um, you know, kind of mental health issues that they've had. And he ended mm-hmm. up getting killed by a, a fellow, you know, service member who came back and had some mental health issues. In a bar fight, wasn't it? It was no, I, no like they that. went out shooting guns. I think he, he shot him, I, I think. Um, okay. So I think his name was uh, Chris Kyle. And yeah. anyways, great movie. But the executive producer of the movie, I was watching the end, Steven Mnuchin. I was like, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. So well, That's um, a very common name. It could have been someone it's, else. It's him. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyways, oh, so wow. – um, but, you know, he, I mean, he runs Treasury, and he was kind of the, the concept the, the, on this bill, apparently. So we'll see if they turn that around. Hopefully they do. And, of course, we'll be updating you. So um, there's a number of other ugly things we could say. There, there's just some stuff we don't know yet. Um, but what I'd say is stay tuned to our podcast. We'll be updating you here. Make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. We're putting all of our articles that are on our blog or that Mark and I are putting on Entrepreneur. Those are going to be in the newsletter. Um, so just keep following us. We'll keep updating you. I mean, every day there's something new on this. Now, yeah. sometimes it only help, it matters to 5% of the people out there. And, and we, so we're still telling you it might not affect you, but as we're getting these little pieces out, they really matter for certain groups, but not for others, but we'll keep yeah. disseminating that information out. Yeah. And, and I, I, on that note, I will give you a little, uh, spoiler alert on some of the ugly, cause I've had these questions today on a live, um, Facebook I was on with a group is people are asking, what do I have to produce at the end of the eight weeks to get forgiven? What does the application look like? Again, a lot of unknowns there. And we have banks that really did a kind of a bad job on the initial application. And now the ending application aren't going to reconcile. And man, if I was a banker right now that did that, I'd be scared because not that I'm legally got a problem probably, but you got a PR problem because this, this, Customer's going to come in and go, hold it, you told me you wanted my 1099s, and now you're saying that's not what the loan should have been about? Oh, have fun explaining that one. So yeah. I think so. there's going to be some disgruntled people. We just know it. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to keep trying to give you the little tidbits. But don't wait till the last minute. Put on your calendar a big red X of when that eight weeks is up. And also start pegging when are you going to do payroll and when are you going to pay rent and when are you going to do these things and keep good records of it. That's all we can say for now. So Yeah. Yeah. My last final comment is one of the things that's buried in the code on these costs in eight weeks is what is incurred and paid in eight weeks. So some people have been like, ooh, maybe I'll prepay some rent for the upcoming Mm -hmm. month. Well, has that been incurred yet? Is that cost incurred yet? That might get disallowed when you go to forgiveness. Some people are like, well, maybe I'll pay some payroll early. 
you know, that I outside my normal payroll schedule. Was that really incurred yet? You're paying it. And so, so just be careful on those games. You know, we want to make sure you're getting as much into that eight week window. Um, but you're gonna have to abide by that paid and incurred rule. So, you know, and that's probably where the 401k story is going to come in because you're not going to be able to front load a 401k deposit. You're going to have to say, whatever you put in your 401k during that time period, we'll divide by 12 and give you two. Just, yeah. Now this is the employer contributions. Remember, yeah, the employer the employee matters. Yeah. Don't matter. It's not really. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes sense. You incurred a contribution to an employee's 401k, including your own yeah, for no. that eight week or two month period. So whatever you pop in there, you'd have to have some heck of a proof that you're going to do more throughout the year, maybe looking at last year's records or something, but True. Ah, yeah. anyway, crazy. Well, thanks everybody for giving us your time. your very, very valuable time and please stay tuned. Uh, we'll be here every week with uh, live call-in shows as well as topics that we think will help you and your family. And I just want to say thanks to my amazing and intelligent and good looking co-host. Yeah. Matt Sorensen. Yeah. For those of you on video, you know what he's talking about. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Thanks again for being here. We'll be back next week. Um, stay Remember calm. Rocket. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com. Oh,